So if you guys have any questions whatsoever about keto or intermittent fasting, whether you're starting keto as a new person or just need to debug your program, or you have a question about a product, call one of our keto consultants. They'll be able to help you. Call 540-299-1557. That's 540-299-1557. Welcome to the Dr. Berg Healthy Keto and Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Now your host, the man taking your health to a whole new level, Dr. Eric Berg. So today we're going to talk about troubleshooting because at some point you're going to run into a plateau. You're going to run into a situation and you need to know how to fix it. And so we're going to talk about like what to do. The principle that I want to talk about is it's, um, and this is something I kind of just stumbled on and I had a light bulb go off. Uh, it's not lose weight and get healthy. It's get healthy to lose weight. That might sound like a real simple little principle, but it's very, very vital because if you try to lose weight to get healthy, you may not end up being healthy. People try to lose weight unhealthy. You could lose muscle mass and you feel like crap. So if you're trying to lose weight and you, you feel like crap, you're not doing it healthy. Um, so, what does this mean, getting healthy? Well, you're going from an unhealthy state to a healthy state. So, you're actually repairing certain things. You're in repair mode. When your body repairs, it fixes structural part of the cell, the cell membrane. And what does it use? It uses protein to repair. If, you have a, if you're a hoarder and you have this house filled with stuff and the walls are caving down, the smartest thing to do would be to make sure your structure is stabilized first before you move everything out. And sometimes um, with the body, it doesn't just mobilize fat as a first priority. It tends to go into healing repair mode and it fixes the, the structure of the body. But when that happens, protein comes in which is heavier than fat per volume. I know one time I did a video and I said, well, one pound of fat, uh, one pound of fat is lighter than one pound of muscle. I'm like, no, one pound is equal to one pound. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> we're talking about per volume. That's a whole different thing. So when I get this thing where like, oh, I'm not losing weight. Um, well, your body's probably in repair mode. So we want to look at other factors like your energy, your strength, your vitality, is your cravings go away? Are you less hungry? Those are the things that you want to focus on more than the weight. The weight is just one indicator. The weight is a side effect of getting healthy. So it's a real simple principle, but um, a lot of people don't really know about that. And then when you're trying to solve a problem, you have to evaluate, um, you, have to, you need more data. Because if you just said, oh, I can't lose weight, what do I do? I mean, like, I don't know, I have to find out from you a lot of data to, just to sort this out. One of the most important questions that you can ask that I wish was asked more is, perfect on cue, I just wanted that lead in. Uh, um, the best question is, okay, when did you start gaining weight? What happened just before that? I'm talking about a stubborn metabolism. Like, let me just ask you, how many of you started gaining weight after a pregnancy that you had? Boom, right there, right? How many of you gained weight um, maybe as a child, you were just always overweight? Well, we're not really necessarily born that way. There's something that happens. 
Maybe when you were five, you had a surgery or something, or asthma, and then you took steroids. Boom, that, that gives us great data. Uh, or let's say you had uh, a stress event. I'm sure that's not any of you, but um, if you had a severe loss of a loved one, all these things are behind, and you have to pull and find out what happened just before that problem started. It's a simple question. No one asks it, and uh, you need to, to, to get well. So the first barrier is to make sure that you're doing it healthily. And the last thing you want to do is give up when it actually is working. So all the people that are like, yeah, it's not working, but it really was, and they give up. And I'm like, boy, you just, you should have just gave it, given more time. The next point I want to bring up is you also have to look at the duration of how long you had this problem. Insulin resistance doesn't happen overnight. It takes years to develop into diabetes. By the time it shows up, it's already been brewing in the oven. Amy was talking about uh, Alzheimer's. It takes how many years? Like 30 years before it even shows up? Yeah, years. I mean, it starts here, and then it kind of develops, and all of a sudden you, end up, you don't just end up overnight. So these things take years to develop, so it's brewing in the oven. Cancer takes a long time. Thyroid problems take a long time. Adrenal gland problems. There's one piece of data that I talk about. It's like almost 95% of the adrenal gland has to be unresponsive before it even shows up clinically in some cases. So you're dealing with problems that develop over a long period of time. A fatty liver takes a long time before it even shows up on enzyme test. You're, you, in your mind, you're going, hey, my friend lost 20 pounds. I'm not losing 20 pounds. And all of a sudden, it doesn't work, and you get frustrated. So the duration of time you had the problem, you need to actually increase your estimation of how long it's going to take. And that could be off by a big factor. So some people, to really get over the insulin resistance, could take a year or two years. So just don't give up. Have patience. That's why we call you a patient, and that's why you sit in a waiting room. The other thing I want to differentiate is the difference between fat and atrophy. How many of you have, are going through or been through this thing called menopause? Okay, so you may find that things start shifting. It's like, wait a second, what is going on with my body? I've had people come in and it's like their whole body just falls apart right after menopause. So with the, with the adrenal glands, they kind of act as a backup to the ovaries. So they produce the same hormones. So if the adrenal glands are going into menopause fatigued, then everything is exaggerated. And then you end up with all sorts of problems, and especially atrophy, which is a loss of, of muscle. You lose your muscle. And so it looks like fat, but it's just a loss of muscle. It's flabby. It's loss of collagen. And then you do the keto, intermittent fasting, and it doesn't get, you don't lose the weight right away. It's like, what's going on? So you may have to build up those muscles, and that takes a good amount of time. It could take months, even a couple years, FYI. And you do have to add exercise to that. You have to work those and give it a long time. Just realize, if it is atrophy, it's going to take some time, but you can undo that. Um, also, you have to work on the adrenal glands. I will touch on that a little bit, but I have a lot of videos on adrenal gland. But atrophy is a real key thing. Okay, we have this thing called stress. One thing you need to know is that a lot of stress accumulates. Pretty much all stress accumulates in your body. You're one big bucket of stress. And so it builds up, and then it, it wears down the ability of your adrenals to handle and tolerate stress. How do you know if you have an adrenal problem? Well, one way is, how is your tolerance to stress? Can you handle babysitting a, a lot of small children in a daycare center over eight hours? 
without wigging it out. If you can't handle that, we know you have a problem with your adrenals. It's basically the adrenal strength, um, well, is a good indicator of like how much stress you have in your body. Now, there's a couple things that you may not associate with um, why you're not losing weight. One is old injuries, the accumulation of old injuries. And um, I have videos on this, but it's something a lot of people don't talk about. I talked to some people, I talked to you last night, and there was a couple of the people, one lady had a whiplash, where is she? Okay, great, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, can you come up here? Can you come up here and can someone bring that chair up here? I wanna do a little demonstration of what we can do for an old injury. One of the things that I did in my clinic is I, I did a lot of manual work on people. I wanna give you some pointers on what to do. So you had um, an injury, a car accident, right? Yes. And it was a whiplash, right? And so what happened, someone hit you from behind. And so the first thing that happens when you get hit from behind is uh, your neck goes back. And that tears the ligaments in the front part, okay? So if I'm doing acupressure or any type of manipulation, I don't wanna be doing this motion to put her into the injury. I wanna go the opposite way. So, and then you have some sleeping problems, right? So if you can't sleep, then you're not gonna lose weight because it's gonna increase stress. So there's a couple little things that you can do. And you can actually, I show this, in the webinar, it's on webinar on stress, but I'm just gonna give you some tips, okay? So if, if someone has a whiplash from behind, you can basically do a stretch and reverse it by pressing up this way. And I'm just gonna just stretch underneath here a little bit forward. I'm just reversing the whiplash. And again, I just wanted to show you a couple little things because last night when I was talking to people, there were so many people that had old injuries, especially to the head and there's some cool things that you can do. So I'm just pulling up, it's called the occiput, and I would normally do this, you know, a couple minutes. But what happens, it actually gives the person a sense of relief. I don't know, what do you feel like right now? Feel a little better? So that's something, there's a little tool that I have that you can do this on yourself, you can have someone do this, but you'll find that just a little bit of work like that will actually just relax the body. Because when you go to sleep at night, there's certain parts of your body that won't turn off. Like either your neck is stiff, your head's stiff or energetic, or your, your head is, or your, your chest is like energetic, or your legs are restless, and you're trying to go, go down to sleep, and you're trying, it's not working. Like um, Saturday, no, Friday night, I'm trying to sleep. I wake up at two o'clock in the morning. Going through, in my mind, is like going through what I'm gonna talk about, right? From two to six. Um, but this, that's different. <laughs> this, but old injuries can actually keep your body in a state of tension, and stress and heaviness, and it can prevent you from going to sleep. So I have people write out all your old injuries, and then we kind of do some work on them. So that would be one thing. Have you ever had any um, head injuries? Yeah. No, okay. So here's the principle of what to do with old injuries. It's really cool. Like, let's say she, one of the gals, I won't bring her up, but she got hit with a baseball right here. Well, guess what? I found over the years, that can really keep people from relaxing and sleeping. Old head injuries to the, I mean, skull injuries. So um, like hitting, hit by a baseball, that's traumatic. So what you do is, there's a principle, you work on the opposite. Some of you already know this because you saw my videos, but you work on the opposite, you can actually release it. I'm not gonna get into why it works, you just need to try it. So if she got hit right here with a baseball, 
I will press on the mirror image side right here, and I'm going to massage it. What's interesting about this is when you press on this, it'll hurt twice as much, so go light. You're like, why does this side hurt? This is the good side. But you would massage it and maybe a couple minutes each day, and you're going to find that it releases the tension in the head. You just have to try it. It does work. Um, so I just want to show you that little thing. Thank you for coming out. Thank you. Okay. And then another thing, and I won't spend too much time, but I want to, I want to see who has, does anyone have any pain? Okay, you have pain. Where? Where? What, what's that? Okay, come up here. All right, so I just want to show you a really cool, very cool technique on pain. And you can do this to yourself if you like to put yourself into more pain. Yeah. I have a lot of videos. I probably have a video on every part of the body and how to do this. So you can just search it. But I just want to show you a really cool thing that is not taught in school, but it works. And uh, yeah, take your boots off. Um, make yourself comfortable. <laughs> so what kind of injury did you have? Um, the person had a car bomb right here would explode. How? Uh, a motorcycle accident. It was pulverized from here to here. Okay. So did that kind of affect your ability to walk? It hurts, yeah. Yeah, so that would stop exercise. So this is a really easy one because what we're going to do is we're going to press on the opposite side, okay? So if I grab her foot here and I press right here. Now, I'm, I'm going to press really light because this is going to be very tender. The more damage is on this side, the more tender is going to work on that side. Tell me when I find it. You find it? <laughs> Good morning. I'm barely touching. I tried to get a job as an interrogator, but I pressed too hard, so I became a healthcare <laughs> practitioner. Now, one of the things that you would do is I would just work on this to her tolerance. I'm watching the eyeballs, make sure it doesn't pop out, and just work this out. We're just like, this is just something you can do to start stripping down like old injuries and kind of clearing those out. Now, the other thing is that you want to do is, I know that she's been limping probably on the opposite side, so she has a lot of tension in the calf on this side here. So you'd also relax. You want to really work on the calf, because this is going to be like, like that. So I'm just going to very gently just kind of work through that for about an hour, and just tell me when you're done. That's why I'm standing over here, so she can't kick me on that side. So you'd work on the calf. So anytime you have like a foot problem, you work on the, the calf on the opposite side. It's a great little trick, but it works like magic. If you have a knee problem, you work on the opposite muscle on the opposite side because it's limping. So if a knee problem here, you'd work on this. These are all in the videos, but it's a great technique to quickly give the person relief. So I just did a tiny little bit. I don't know if it'll feel better, but we'll, we'll see. It does feel better. Good. Thank you. You are healed. No. So you, got, you have pain, you have old injuries. And a lot of people had old injuries. I've had old injuries. Um, and that's why I developed the technique. Um, what, about, what about people? Can people stress you out? Um, occasionally, people stress you out, and especially the one that's called the, uh, like the passive aggressive. They call them underminers. They're the person that gave you a compliment, but they followed up with a sharp critical comment. How many of you know anyone like that? These guys, everyone knows. These guys really jack up your adrenals, okay? They really get you. They'll say, hey, 
You got a haircut, that's really nice. Did you get that at Cheap Cuts? <laughs> they bring you up and they bring you down. Oh, that's a nice sweater. Was that on sale? My, uh, I had this guy who said, um, oh, you graduated, congratulations. Why didn't you want to become a real doctor? I was like, ooh. <laughs> so what these people, they try to make nothing of you. They try to make you feel like you're a criminal. So that's, just realize there's the two types of people bring you up and the other people bring you down. Those guys, you just need to avoid them. But there is a technique that I used to get even, get revenge. <laughs> Do you guys want to know it? Okay, it's a great, it just makes me feel better. So if, if they start going in onto that, because they're usually kind of critical, and then they, they go, oh no, I'm your best friend, right? So that, that whole thing. So I will quickly want to get them out of my space. So what you do is you just don't respond, don't answer them, just look closely on their face and go, has that been growing? Is that, how long, how long have you had that? That little blemish there? Yeah, you should get that checked out. Could be the liver. So they'll be in the bathroom for hours looking at this, and you get them out of your space. It works like a charm. I've done it many times. Um, when people have um, uh, losses, for example, um, they actually can gain weight too. It's called sad fat. And in Germany, they call it grief fat. I don't know the word for it, but grief fat. I don't know if you've heard of that. But you have losses, right? And uh, loss of loved one, and you start gaining all this weight because of the spike in cortisol. So if someone is stuck in a, a loss, or they're basically stuck on a, a problem, a chronic problem, they're so worried about it, oh my gosh, that's going to raise cortisol. So um, the best thing to do is go for long walks. Like, I'm talking an hour and a half. Because walking is, um, increases oxygen with low stress. And you get space. Don't like have your friend here that's the um, underminer with you walking um, <laughs> while you're being constantly being chopped down, chopped liver. So be by yourself, just walk and just get space. It's good. That's the best thing. Because when you're stuck in that trauma, it's like it just kind of like your space kind of goes in. So that's really important. Um, the other thing is, um, there's a couple places in your body where you tend to hold stress. And I need to find someone who just can't sleep. Okay, let's bring you up. Don't worry, I'm gonna show you this and you can do it in the person next to you when we're done. <laughs> this is a technique that um, looks really simple, but it's really effective um, for sleep. Wow. Can we have an easier case? <laughs> um, now let me just take these so I can see what I'm going to do to you. Now what happens, there's two parts of the nervous system. It's called the autonomic nervous system. You have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. The flight or fight or the rest, rest and digest. Okay? So the parasympathetic nervous system is controls rest. And the sleep centers are located in the brainstem. So there's some cool little uh, pressure points that you can work on to just kind of relax those points, okay? 
Um, and so what you do is you take your hand. I like to take the thumb and my middle finger. I'm not flipping you off. Right here. And there's a tool that I have that is I built that looks like my hand. It's a little tripod. A lot of you have it. And you can use that to lay back in a tall back chair. I, I wish I would have brought one. And that's just, that's, I use that every night, don't I, Karen? Yeah, I pretty much uh, use that thing. To, and I go to sleep like within like 30 seconds. I'm out. You know. So what you do is you get the back of the skull. You take your two fingers, uh, take these two fingers and just drop them below the skull. You can do this to someone or you can use that device. And then you apply pressure symmetrically right underneath the skull without messing up their hair. And then what you do is you just, yeah, you just hold this, these points uh, for like a minute and the person will feel really relaxed. Um, the only time you wouldn't want to do this is if they have a, like a whiplash injury from behind like you. <laughs> you want to go the other way. So if you had a rear end collision, this is the one that you probably don't want to do. Have you ever had a rear end collision? Okay. So I'm just holding this. And I used to do this all the time in my clinic, and people would just like literally start snoring. And uh, I'm just relaxing the muscles underneath the top of the, uh, the, top of the neck, underneath the skull. And I'm about, um, kind of need someone that is kind of bald so I can show you back here. Um, let's see, who, who doesn't have a lot of hair? Can I have you come up? Yeah. I just want to show people the location of this because they need to see this. Now, is this feeling any, any different? Yeah, you're gonna feel like a wave through the whole body. This is, this is great right before you go to sleep. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. She didn't need them. No, I don't see out of them anyway. We can kill two birds with one stone. Handle the, okay, this one right here, look at my thumb and my fingers coming right underneath here. And I'm pressing this way. I'm just holding the forehead and pressing in this way. This is all on video, guys. So you can, it's called the stress webinar. But you press this and you hold that. So let me just have you sit right here. And I just kind of come in here and I just hold this for two minutes. But it kind of takes the tension. I mean, a lot of people have stress in their upper part of their neck. Um, but this is great for sleep. It's a great sleep technique. Also, the breathing centers are there, too. Does that feel any different? Good. Okay, I just want to do a little bit because of time, but thank you for coming up. You're welcome. So there's, uh, there's that technique. There's... You would also, you can work on the abdomen through these points. There's some techniques there. There's about seven different things you can do. I do them every night before I go to bed. Um, Karen might be watching TV. I'm already out. I'm just And um, she goes, massage my shoulders. And by the time I start, I'm like out. So stress is a really uh, key point to overcome. So you want to do various things. You want to do, handle any, the cause for the stress if it's uh, that personality or people, um, some problem, you have to improve that somehow. Um, also, physical old injuries, 
pain, inflammation. One of the best remedies for inflammation is intermittent fasting. But as a coping mechanism, uh, stinging nettle root is one of the best uh, herbs for inflammation, FYI. I've given you guys a um, chart on some good remedies and a checklist as well. You can look at that later. Now also, uh, people that had like severe losses and things, they have a 21 times increase of getting a risk of getting a heart attack. So it really affects the body. It increases the risk of getting an infection. Then they gain weight, and they develop in insulin resistance. Viruses come out of remission when you go through stresses. I interviewed a lot of people that had autoimmune diseases, and I said, what happened just before it? Nearly most of the time, it's either um, some stress, loss, divorce, or some traumatic thing. So there's that huge connection that no one's really addressing. So here you are trying to fix it nutritionally when it's really a stress trigger. You gotta work on the adrenals. So again, I'm trying to expand your viewpoint. There's other, other things to look at. What happens when you're stressed? What do people eat when they're under stress? Okay, this stuff, right? So they, they eat sugar, right? Because stress, uh, sugar makes you feel better. Sugar actually increases um, beta endorphins. Beta endorphins are 30 times stronger than morphine for pain relief, and they reduce stress. Sugar also increases dopamine, maybe for just a minute, but it, it makes you feel better. So it, the combination of eating sugar for a beta endorphin and dopamine will increase, make you feel confident, decrease pain, stress, socially connected, you're gonna feel hopeful, and you're gonna have a pleasure sensation and feel a little motivated. This is why people are eating sugar. They're trying to solve a problem with a certain sensation, but it's kind of crazy because you're, you're gonna add sugar for a solution. Like it's like, I'm gonna put um, gasoline on a fire to get rid of the fire because the problem is the rebound effect. You feel temporarily better, and then you feel a lot worse. And the longer you do it, the more that these effects go away, so it's a bit of a trap. So um, again, we wanna use the tools, keto and intermittent fasting, to overcome these problems. Vitamin B1 will really help, uh, especially if you're kinda of in that trap, because you're depleting B1 as you're eating the sugar, and you put that in there, and it gives you some nice relief pretty quick. There's a really great book Kindle, it's very expensive, it's like $79 Kindle book, but it's worth it. Dr. Derek Longsdale, MD, Derek Longsdale, and he, this whole book is on thiamine. Unbelievable book, fascinating, if you're into thiamine, uh, which I'm into. Um, so, um, I knew you were gonna ask the name. Just go under Amazon and type his name and you'll find it, it's under thiamine, thiamine deficiencies. That's B1. Derek Longsdale. Derek. Yeah. Now, a higher fat diet will also help with stress reduction. It's gonna feed the hormones, it'll help give you DHA, omega-3 fatty acids, so um, this is why keto is great. Um, there's, there's some other techniques with acupressure that you can just watch this online, but if you actually go through this, you are gonna sleep really good. 
Um, there's something else that I also have done that I've never talked about um, until now um, because I didn't want to create a video and just tell everyone all the secrets. Um, but let's see, who, um, there was a diabetic that was a type 1. There was, who, where was she? Okay, let's come up here. I wanted to show you this technique. Um, if you take someone that has like a known blood sugar problem, I'm gonna show you what I've done with great success, but I'm gonna have you experiment yourself. And I'm just gonna um, have you sit right here. Don't try this at home, no. Um, so if you think about it, and I'm gonna show you something about visceral massage. Um, you, you know, you work on your muscles, but really rarely anyone works on the organs, right? They, you don't massage your pancreas every day, do you? So I had a, just a, a crazy idea. I said, what would happen? Let's just check your blood sugar. So this gal comes in, um, this is many years ago, and I said, let's check your blood sugar. This is well over 200. I said, I'm just gonna massage your pancreas, which is under the left rib cage. And I just laid her down, and I just started massaging it for like two minutes. I rechecked the blood sugars, it came down to 120, and I'm like, what? Let me try that again. Now, there's not any studies on this that I know of, but it's just something, if you're a diabetic or have blood sugar problems, experiment yourself with your Keto Mojo testing strips, and you just go on there and see if it doesn't help you. It kind of activates that gland. You can do the same thing with the gallbladder, too. But um, you would basically take your hand and just kind of press through here. And I've noticed that um, the person has this great sense of like they're doing and all of a sudden they just get this, wow, I just feel really relaxed. So I'm like, why not? The pancreas is like working like crazy because it has 150 pounds of sugar per year to do with it. You just work on that and it actually gives the body a sense of um, relief. It's just something I would recommend to try out and experiment and to see if it helps you. But you're just increasing the communication into that organ. That's what massage is, it's you're getting, the, getting more circulation into the area. It's real simple. It's, it might sound weird, but it works, so try it. Um, the other thing you can do for pain, a lot of people have pain that's referred from something else. I found the top thing is the gallbladder. I'm not talking about a stone in the gallbladder, just an irritated gallbladder that's congested. Where is the pain gonna go? On the right side, right through here, in the back of the scapula. How many of you have tension right here? Yeah, look at that. It's usually gallbladder. Um, when you do healthy keto and intermittent fasting, that should go away. But you would want a massage on the right side, underneath the right rib cage. I have a ton of videos on this. If you hold pressure, because I had a gallbladder for 12 years. I didn't know a gallbladder problem. I didn't know what it was. So I would get this thing hammered, and because I was a chiropractor, I would have that thing adjusted, probably over-adjusted everything, everyone, and just would keep coming back because the pain was referred. So once I, of course, then I, years later, I changed the diet and it totally solved, but you could massage the gallbladder points and give a lot of relief up through here. So very important point for um, pain, especially people that say I have fibromyalgia, but you ask them, is it on the right side only? They go, yeah, how did you know? Because you don't have fibromyalgia. It's the gallbladder. So. The problem is people eat six times a day and they're, they're not giving the gallbladder a chance to reset. So I just wanted to show you that just to kind of give you a little tip. Thank you very much.
Uh, also, thank you. Especially headaches on the right side, too. That's all gallbladder. Even stuff that shoots down here. I actually invited like six people uh, from my city to do a video, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a video on pain. I think it was like five out of six that came from the gallbladder, because I was working on the pain, it didn't work, and then I went on the gallbladder, and bam, completely went away. So, very common. All right, so sleep. How many of you have a sleep problem? Wow. Sleeping is a barrier to um, a lot of problems, especially recovery and healing. What causes sleep problems? Well, it could be your bladder, and that's insulin resistance, um, because diabetics usually have problems with fluids at night, and they pee a lot more frequent. So that's another issue that's going to be solved when you do healthy keto and intermittent fasting. Um, stress, all the techniques that I said from stress, aerobic exercise walking, B1, the manual type work, massage, all are great for um, sleeping because they get rid of that issue. And also the acupressure point in the back of the neck. You should sleep like a baby when you do that. Of course, babies are crying all night, but. <laughs> now, as far as sleep goes, I found that um, you may want to try sleeping on your right side. That seems to work better for a lot of people. Why? Because the liver's on the right side, and if you have a fatty liver, it may just be heavier than it should be. So if you're sleeping on the left side with a fatty liver that's compressing the heart, you might feel uncomfortable. So try to sleep on the right side so the heart can sit on the liver, and it seems people seem to do better on the right side when they're sleeping. Not everyone. Um, avoiding excess protein. How many find that when you eat a Texas-style steak before you go to bed, that may interfere with your sleep? Yeah. Too much protein can act as a stimulant, and you might just want to adjust that as well because, you know, sometimes if you, that's why I like to consume the vegetables first, then the protein, because if you have the chicken wings first, like my son will just eat like a whole, like a ton of them, and then there's no room, roof, uh, room left for the salad. So you want the salad and then the chicken wings. But the, too much protein will act as a stimulant. Uh, I also found that there's a technique that you can do breathing when you're, um, when you're sleeping. So let's say you're laying there and you're not able to sleep and you're just thinking about stuff. Focus on your breathing and I'm gonna show you how to do that. You can actively affect the autonomic nervous system by breathing consciously with five seconds slowly in and five seconds slowly out. People that have stress, they tend to breathe like this. The exhalation is a lot shorter than inhalation. So if you slow that down, just by focusing on the breathing slowly, in to the nose, and then slowly out, and keep those even, I find that works for sleeping. You'll, next thing you know, you'll be waking up in the morning. It's just another little thing that you can do. Oh, also avoid watching the news before you go to bed. <laughs> Or in general, actually, don't even watch the news. Um, I like to dim the lights before I go to bed so I don't have all those lights around. The best light actually is candlelight. I mean, this, that, the yellow and orange, that's really good for um, the receptors and also the melatonin stimulation, which actually stimulates sleep. So darkness stimulates that. So if you're in a bright light and then you try to go to bed, like you didn't give you a chance your melatonin to kick in there. 
Um, also, uh, EMF, like keeping this when you're sleeping right here is bad. So all these electrical devices, get them out of the area of your body when you're trying to sleep because they can affect you. How many of you do a lot of computer work? Yeah, so do I. So if you sit in front of a computer and then you try to go to bed, it's like, it doesn't work. So you need to break it up and go outside and go just get some space. Sometimes um, I have a really good sleep aid that a lot of you are on that works good, that works on the adrenal. But sometimes you need a little extra calcium. So if your head doesn't always turn off, you might want to add a little calcium. I like calcium orotate. That's a really good one. I take it only you know, a few times a week if I need it, but it tends to help you go to sleep. I don't normally recommend calcium supplements, but for that one, occasionally I do. Also, caffeine. If you're doing too much caffeine or tea, that is going to keep you up at night. So try to cut down if you have sleep and see if it doesn't help you. I do coffee, but just a small one. One. I do one. Because I abused it in college, I used to have Cuban coffee, lots of it. This is why I'm doing this seminar right now, because I got, I got burnt out. I think most of you probably have had experience where you, you had a health problem that actually motivated you to do keto and intermittent fasting, right? Yeah, it's like there's something that you just, didn't, you just weren't feeling great and decided to do it. Something like I was very, very sick myself. If you were a past athlete, how many of you were past athletes? Athletic, okay. And then all of a sudden you, you do this intense exercise. I was a wrestler. And then you don't work out in your 30s, 40s, or 50s. Then you decide to work out when you're 60, right? <laughs> the, um, the mitochondria generate this huge machine, and then you stop depleting the energy. So for you athletes, you need to continue to exercise to get that energy out. You can't just like work at the computer and then try to go to bed. You have to work out to get the energy extracted from your body. Macros, hidden carbs, yogurt, 10 grams of sugar. That's some plain, that's too high. Um, alcohol could definitely provide too much uh, sugar and carb for your, for your liver. Coconut water, way too much sugar. Um, fruit, I'm sorry. And sugar alcohols could interfere with your ability to really get in ketosis, especially maltitol. That's the worst. It has a glycemic index of like 55. That's just underneath sugar. Um, you want to play with your vegetables. Sometimes if you have too much vegetables, you don't have enough microbes. That's going to create fluid retention and bloating, and that's going to interfere with your sleep. And also, you're going to feel like you're just bloated all the time. So adjust them, lower or higher, depending on your ability to digest them. But I do consume, I find the days that I consume enough vegetables, I sleep better. It's, I think it's the potassium and magnesium. So ma potassium is a physiological tranquilizer. It relaxes you. So does magne magnesium. As far as your protein, you have to try experiment. If you do too much, it can affect your sleep. If you do too little, you might feel weak and tired. So personally, I'm 180 uh, pounds. I need about eight ounces per day, and that's my optimum number. You have to play around with that until experiment. Could be a little less, a little bit more. Um, but everyone's a little different. Fat macros. When you get into keto and you're adapting to fat burning for a period of time, 
you, and you're not losing weight, if you plateau, it's probably because you're doing too much dietary fat and your body doesn't have to burn its own fat because you're turning the ketones from the dietary fat. So you may want to just cut down the fat so we can force your body to burn its own fat. And that includes the, the exogenous ketones because that's going to kind of replace what your body should be burning if you're trying to lose weight. And so I found a good number to go below is 75 grams, maybe 60 to 75 grams. If you cut it down right around there, you're going to find your weight loss will kick in there. The transit time for your digestion, the time that the food goes all the way through your system, is between 36 and 40 hours. So by the time your stomach takes four to five hours to get the food through. So no one, well very few, the average person does not, they don't give their stomach a chance to let the food go through. So you're cramming food down there, down the pipe, when the food doesn't even get through the stomach, right? So we never get the system, the system to reboot. That's why intermittent fasting is so helpful for the digestive system. So there's a thing called prolonged fasting, and then I'll, I know I'm going a little bit too long, but this is important. Prolonged fasting is a really important tool to jumpstart not just weight loss, but health problems. I'm talking about going 48 hours, 72 hours, or 21 hours, right? Or 21 days. So, um, what's that? 23 days. Yeah, so you can create some really cool effects on your body with stem cell, with healing, with weight loss, with metabolism, with growth hormone. But here's the thing. I would recommend letting your body tell you when you're ready for that. Just kind of go as long as you can and just don't go in there thinking, I'm going to go 21 days when you're dying at day two. Because you have to work up to it. So you gradually work this out maybe once a month or once every other month, you do a prolonged fast. And you keep working in that because you want to build up your, your nutrient reserve because you're drawing from your nutrient reserve. And I do recommend not just doing water, I do recommend supplements, electrolytes when you're doing fasting because I've had a couple people just pass out and hit their head on something because they didn't have enough electrolytes. So we want the potassium, we want the sea salt. I would recommend that when you're doing prolonged fasting. And when you come off prolonged fasting, you want to do refeeding slowly, so you, you, want to, you don't want to just eat a big, huge meal after 21 days. Have a little bit of food, wait a little bit, a little bit of food, wait a little bit, and then gradually introduce the food, or you'll feel that you'll be sick because your system is not ready for that. If you have a fatty liver, that can prevent your ability to get rid of insulin resistance. So choline is a really good supplement to handle fatty liver. I mean, you can actually pull the fat off within a couple months with choline. Some other things that are good for insulin resistance, apple cider vinegar is really good. Cinnamon, vitamin D. All this is in your notes, by the way. I, I've given you guys a checklist to follow, so you don't even need to write it down. A um, Couple last things and then I'll be quiet. Um, I've had people add a probiotic and all of a sudden they start losing weight because they need to, they, that was, People that are actually overweight and thin, they have different microbial um, balances. They have different types of microbes in their gut. So, but adding a good enough um, microbe, and I like, the one that I like is called effective microbes. I'm gonna be doing a video on it so I can give you more data, but the effective microbes is kind of a, a unique non-dairy type of flora that really fortifies the intestines. And I've had many people lose weight just by adding a probiotic. 
Some people you have to add a prebiotic, like sauerkraut, fermented. That gives you the probiotic and the prebiotic at the same exact time. Last thing, and then I'm done. Um, hidden antibiotics. They find that um, when, you, when you're on an antibiotic that kills out the bacteria, you gain weight. That's why farmers give antibiotics to help fatten up the chickens and the cattle, things like that. So you want to consume organic foods or animals that have not been given antibiotics. But one of the biggest hidden antibiotics is glyphosate, which is the Roundup Ready from GMO. It's patented as an antibiotic. So we've all been exposed to that. So again, organic food, because the GMO stuff is like you're just taking antibiotics. And that could be the reason why a lot of people are, are, are getting fat. Um, and then one last thing, because I almost forgot. Dr. Berg app, I just released it. You can download it. It's, if you haven't, download it. And then one, no. Thank you so much, and, I'll, and we'll be doing a Q&A after the next two speakers. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, guys, I just want to let you know I have my new keto course just came out. It's a mini course. It covers all the basics and how to do it correctly. You can get through this in probably 20 minutes at the very most. So if you're interested, click the link below and get signed up now.